Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by Coors Light here on Giants.com. Paul Dottino and John Schmelk with you. I thought we... I was on show roll. No? You don't look like that. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Sorry for the late start, by the way, folks. Uh, we had to call an audible. Some yep. uh, crazy things, uh, the blitz packages that were kind of thrown yes. at us at the last minute caused some confusion. But we are here uh, for the next hour to talk Giants football. 201-939-4513 or hashtag Giants chat if you prefer to hit us up on Twitter. And, uh, well, the big news. Let's get right to it, John. Saquon Barkley took individual drills today. <gasps> Look great. Said he's feeling good. I can't believe it. But doesn't sound like he's ready to play. I was not out there listening to Shermer today. So I I must admit I'm a little ill-prepared here. Did he surprise, surprise. Did he say anything besides he's going to be smart with him on Friday? It's exactly what he said. And he's also recovering from a tweak of his hips. That's exactly what he said. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, folks, uh, look, we don't know anything. And truth be told, you know, we get these productions with the coach. He doesn't tell us anything about injuries in those meetings either, by the way. So we don't know anything. Um, Shocking to you, I know. But if I had to make my best guess, and it's simply a guess, Paul, we're not going to see him until Jacksonville in week number one. I'm inclined to agree with you. And I think we could probably say the same thing about number 13, who I'm sure he was asked about again today. And he was. And they're going to be smart with him, too. Exactly. (laughs) You've been through this before. Yeah, it is not my first rodeo. In any case, folks, uh, that was the big news of the day is that Barkley did take individuals. Now, to be clear, what we're talking about here is a carded practice um, where they were in shells. There was no contact. And so and even, going about three-quarter speed. Yes, yes. So even though Barkley did some sprinting and some cutting on the side and then went over to the individual drills and caught some passes – uh, the bottom line is he hasn't really had a whole lot of physical contact, if at all. And by the way, he did a lot with the trainers yesterday on the side mm-hmm. as well, which makes me think that he's going to be just fine. Uh, I thought the one thing that was interesting, and I ran to Dan Salmon on the way back from media, and he told me that Barkley basically said, look, I didn't really practice much at Penn State, so this is no big deal, which, which, which I found very interesting. Apparently they paced him during the week. They well, were so, so they were smart with him at Penn State as well. Is what you're yes, <laughs> smart is Groucho Marx. Yes. What's the mystery word today? Smart. Well, it's been that way all month. In any event, uh, Barkley did say that he understands the game of injuries and that the trainers understand the medical stuff better than he does, and so he will rely on them. And he will, of course, be smart as well. And when he gets cleared, he'll get to go in there. So, honestly, folks, that's the big headline of the day. That's what's probably showing up all over the blogs and Twitter and the crawl on your television. I understand, you know, he is a magnet for media attention, and that's fine. But just to let you know, it's not like all of a sudden he's doing everything on the field and he's ready to play in a game. That's still a few weeks away. But... Let me ask you a hypothetical question. Yes. One that Pat Shermer refused to answer yesterday. So I'm going to ask you and see if I can get you to answer it. If the Giants were playing the Jacksonville Jaguars tomorrow night at MetLife Stadium, is Saquon Barkley starting at running back? I have a hunch that he would be active for the game. I would tend to agree. Do you think number 13 would be active for the game? I have a hunch that he would be active for the game. I agree. And we can leave it at that. I believe we can. <laughs> is our phone number here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. And again, that's just guesses on our parts, by the way. We don't know what the medical reports say, but based on the staff and Sherman, how he handles things, that's my best guess. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, in any event, uh, that's where the Giants stand. Uh, Munson and uh, Darian Thompson still on the side today. And Jalen Simmons as well. Jalen, Well, concussion protocol. He can't do anything. Though, he actually had the red jersey. So he was moving around outside a little bit, but he couldn't He was touched. always away from everybody. Yeah, but it's good that he's outside and moving around. That is true. Early on in the concussion protocol, you can't even be outside running around. Well, because so, the brightness will give you headaches. So I bet you he'll be ready to go, If assuming he doesn't have a setback now, which you never know. I bet you he'll be ready to go for preseason game number four based on where he is right now. You would hope so. I, mean, I will, I will say this. Coach Shermer did say that Presley is going to play against the Jets. Yeah, they're out of running backs. Kind of has to. But, <laughs> but he was assertive yes. in giving this guy playing time. And that's about the only guy he has been assertive about in giving playing time to against the Jets. Uh-huh. Because everybody else is, we'll see. Mm-hmm. But we know Presley's going to play. Which, of course, uh, causes a lot of consternation on the Jets' side of the ball. because they're don't, re- don't get all shook up about Presley playing, no, Paul. No, I know. <laughs> don't step on my blue suede shoes. Huh? <laughs> 201-939-4513. Coach Marvin is on line number one. Let's start off the show. And so glad you could call us, Coach. What's up, Coach? How you doing, Paul? And Hi. John. How y'all doing? Doing well. Great. How are you? Uh, I'm doing good. Doing good. I just wanted to call and uh, real quick, uh, uh, just wanted to touch on what I saw last week. And, uh, again, um, um, Davis Webb was uh, impressive. I'd like to see him see if he can do it uh, this ne- uh, this week. Yep. If he gets the second half to see if he can do it again and see some consistency with that. And uh, I think Cal Arletta, he, he's still proving a lot to me. This kid seems pretty calm on the field. He doesn't seem like he's panicking. And um, his throws are really uh, uh, accurate. Like the ones I see, I think if you, people really pay attention to most of his throws. He's had a good week. I would say he's definitely had a good week, and and specifically he's had a good week on the long ball where he drops that rainbow pass right into the bucket to the sideline, by the way, which is a tougher pass without question. Uh, it's 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 been a good one for him. But but I will say this: the way Eli Manning has taken first team reps this week, it would appear because he's taken more than he did last week. It would appear that he's going to be in line to start the game, and we don't know how far he's going to go. So the quarterback time isn't going to be as plentiful for either Webb, Loletta, or, or Tanny. My for that guess matter. is that we'll get Eli for a half, Webb for a quarter, or Loletta for a quarter. I could if see I that. Guess, that's my guess. I could see that. Go ahead, yeah, Coach. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking Kyle may not even get to play. I'm not sure. I'm thinking that um, they may bring um, Eli out in the third quarter just to get a, a halftime preparation and adjustments and come out in this. Uh, Hard to say. Well, Coach Marvin, by the way, let me just tell you one thing. Coach Shermer really doesn't believe in halftime adjustments. So no, I, I think we can bury that for the year. Um, he has sarcastically said to us a few different times that halftime adjustments are a load of hooey. So uh, I wouldn't put too much into that. I, I would be surprised to see Eli in the third quarter in this game on Friday from my perspective. But maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? All right. That, that sounds kind of strange to hear. Usually you plan some teams that you do have to make adjustments. But Well, Coach Marvin, here's the problem. And I'm being all serious about this. And I've had this conversation with multiple coaches, so it's not just Coach Sharma. Halftime literally lasts 12 minutes. It takes you about a minute and a half to get into the locker room. You're down to 10 minutes. It takes you about a minute or two to get back out to the field. You're down to eight minutes. You get back into the locker room. Guys go to the bathroom. Guys have to get water. Guys take their oranges. Guys get medical treatment. 
You have like four minutes in front of the team. You can't change your game plan in four minutes. So honestly, yeah, you could maybe call your plays differently from a play calling perspective, but what you game plan for five days in the first half is going to be the same thing you game plan for five days in the second half. The coaches might be able to adjust what they do in terms of play calling, but the players and what you say to them, it's not going to change anything. Yeah, I think for the most part, yeah, the adjustments that are made are done within the coaching staff themselves as opposed to the players. Sure, you could all of a sudden say, you know what, they're killing our zone. We're going to play a lot more man in the second half. You know, that might be noticeable to you, but that's actually a coaching decision. Yeah, that's not a player by decision. By the way, why do you have to make that decision at halftime? You don't have to. Why you can't you make that decision in the middle of the second quarter? What's you, the difference? You'd like to make it sooner rather than later. You actually have more time. <laughs> no, seriously. You have more time during a – if you're a defensive coordinator – you have more time during a long drive by the offense agree with that. to make adjustments on the sideline than you you'll have at halftime. I agree so with that. So those, those things can be done at any time. Anyway, Coach, we're sorry to interrupt. Just, yeah, yeah, that's our I need to go into that, and that's a long discussion. Yeah. I think everybody's <laughs> right at the same time on that. Everybody's opinion it could be right, but it's just what's weird. Um, the, the second thing, the defense, I, uh, I still a lot of people where the cornerback um, is playing well. But I'm still high on this guy, Johnson. I, I think uh, he's been playing um, really pretty good corner to me. I mean, the, uh, I, I like what I see in him. He's always around the ball is what you want from a corner. And I, and I, and, uh, I, li I like watching him. Yeah, Coach, see, I, I think there are two problems. Uh, the, 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 the two corners that I've heard people call and like a lot are Johnson and Haley. And, yeah, they are around the ball a lot. The problem is that when they're around the ball, a lot of times it's the receiver catching the ball in front of them. Uh, we've seen those guys, in my opinion, Paul, and please correct me if you think I'm wrong, I think in the two preseason games, those two corners have probably given up more catches than any other corner on the roster. I think so. So that, to me, is something that will have to get cleaned up in the final two games to figure out where they fit on the depth chart. Coach Marvin, I would say this. I think Johnson at best in the games and in the practices, I would quantify him as a mixed bag to this point. Sure. Very much up and down. Uh, I think Haley, who a lot of folks had high hopes for this spring, to me, has not had a terrific training camp. That would that would be my evaluation. I I, I don't see him as the cream of the crop of the rest of those guys in the depth chart. I can understand that, but I'm basing it on what we have. If that's all we got, that's all we got to go on unless we bring somebody else in. Coach did um, say today, Marvin, I want to make this clear. Coach said today that there is nobody – with a leg up on the slot position. Then went on to say when further quizzed about B.W. Webb, said he has done a nice job covering both inside and outside. But, again, nobody has a leg up. To me – uh, go ahead, Coach. I'm sorry. I, I, I can understand that, that no one has a leg up. And I believe no one does have a leg up. And that's why I think uh, the teams uh, – one of the teams that they should – and I know they're looking at other teams, at the players that are questionable on these other teams – and the team that really looks pretty good at the cornerback spot, people should watch, is the Philadelphia Phillies. I mean, Philadelphia Eagles. At corner? I'm in the Philadelphia Eagles area, and they are loaded in the defensive back spot. Coach Marvin, Coach Marvin, I don't want to interrupt you, but i got to tell you right now, Dave Spadaro of Eagles.com was on with us about a month ago, John, and he said the secondary is a huge concern. Not only are they thin on the depth chart, but he wasn't even very confident about their starters. They, they, they do have their first round or second round pick from last year coming back, right? The kid from Washington. Mm -hmm. Ross, not Ross. What's the kid's no. last name? I don't remember the kid's last name. I know yeah. who you mean. You know who I mean. He was injured last year. Yeah. 
yes, he was injured. He looked pretty, to me, he didn't look that bad. Um, I, I, I still think they, they still have the guys they had from last year. They had him coming in. And they had some guys that looks like they're pretty good. So that's from me looking from the outside in. Um, I thought they, they looked pretty good. There are some teams that have some, they've got a lot of room in the secondary that uh, they're going to be letting go some guys. They're going to have to let go. I'm not saying these are superstars, but these are guys to look at. Thank you, um, Coach. But, but, yeah. All right, guys. Take it easy. Appreciate, Appreciate call, it. buddy. Thank you. 2019394513 second round pick Sidney Jones from yes. the 2017 draft the guy that you and I were thinking of and that he may have been referring to but let's not make any mistake about it if you listen to that show when Dave Spadaro of eagles.com was on he basically spelled it out to us that the secondary is the Eagles Achilles heel did you watch the Super Bowl how many <laughs> no I'm serious how many passing yards did the New England Patriots have a billion they yeah. literally forced one punt the whole game. Well, it was pinball football. And the same thing with the Patriots defense. They weren't good either. But, you know, they were giving up passes left yeah. and right. And I will say this, Paul. Even though Coach said today nobody has the upper hand on that nickel slot corner spot, I believe that B.W. Webb, from what I've seen and the way they're using him, has a leg up on being on the cornerback depth chart. The fact that they're comfortable with him inside, mm-hmm. they're comfortable with him outside. Mm-hmm. He's been with the starters in the slot. Mm-hmm. He's been with the second team at corner. Mm-hmm. When they've thrown the ball his way in preseason games, he's making plays on the ball and breaking passes up. If he's look, anything can happen in the last two preseason games. You don't know. Maybe he'll get roasted and toasted all over the place. I don't think that'll happen, but who knows? As of right now, I would be really, 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 really surprised if he wasn't on the final fifty. Well, look at it this way. During the course of training camp, since they first reported at the end of July, there are two guys who have performed the best at nickel corner, Dante Dion and B.W. Webb. Correct. Now, Dion pulled his hammy. Mm-hmm. He is back at practice and practicing in full. And made a nice play on the ball in uh, red zone did. yesterday. Yep. And it looks as though he's going to play against the Jets. So he has two preseason games to prove his worth and to be one of potentially six or five corners on this team. Now, you feel better about Webb outside than Dion, though, right? I would. So that's why I think even if Webb isn't the, the third guy, who knows? Mm-hmm. He's still a valuable guy to have as your you know, swing corner, for lack of a better term. Based on what he's put on the film here, yes, and I agree. Also, and by the way, he's also used in punt return as one of the two guys that covers up the guard. Yes. He's been in that position a lot too, so that's a special teams role for him. That is true. So I do think that Dante Dion certainly has an opportunity, though, to get a nose up, if you will, on the rest of the guys if he goes out there and plays really well against the Jets. Well, he has to. I mean, look, a guy like that has to perform in game situations. And we've seen Dante Dion look really good in training camps past. Mm -hmm. And then he gets into the game and you have some issues. He gets caught outside and all of a sudden it's a problem. He's looking up a guy that's 6'2", 6'3", and he has issues. And he gets hurt. Let's see how that too. So let's see how it goes in the game. We want to remind you the Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win amazing Giants prizes throughout the season. We got a tweet here from James Jones, Paul. I would like to, I would take a look at the Vikings depth chart. How about of all the teams there, the team that signs Georgia Loka from the Bengals? What, they don't have enough guys on that defense? He's Holy more cow. of a strong safety than he is a free. Well, I mean, Harrison Smith can do anything. So that's what's going to wind up happening. <laughs> that's what's going to wind up happening. Harrison Smith's going to wind up going to free. Which but, is fine. He's, he's, he can do whatever he wants. Yeah, I didn't see the numbers on what they signed Aloka to. Neither but did I. Remember, he was in Mike Zimmer when he started in Cincinnati. He so. was also making some good bucks there. 
So A.J. Marshall says, first play on offense, Wayne Goleman needs to start with the ones. He has outplayed Jonathan Stewart thus far in the preseason. Um, How many carries has Jonathan Stewart had in the first two preseason Jonathan games? Stewart has Five? also had defenders attached to his knees every time he touches the ball. <laughs> if Wayne Goleman got a handoff and Jared Davis was coming downhill with him in a straight line with nobody else around, he wouldn't get any yards either. No. And but, again, folks, look, Paul and I weren't sitting here when the Giants signed Jonathan Stewart and saying he was going to rush for a, a bajillion yards and things like that. But to just dismiss the guy because of six carries in two preseason games where he didn't get any blocking in at least two or three of them. Mm -hmm. Let's slow the roll a little bit. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Agree with you a thousand percent, yeah. John. 201-939-4513. We go back to the phones, and Pete from Staten Island is on line four. Pedro. Hey, how you doing, guys? Good afternoon. Hi. Hey, uh, John, welcome back. Um, uh, I want to, first off... Uh, agree with you about uh, uh, the way they're going to use Eli this week. That's exactly what I thought first half, and then uh, Davis third quarter, and then uh, and Kyle in the fourth. I agree with that a thousand percent. The the question I had, you know, as far as Eric, is you know, you guys watched your practice yesterday, right? Sure. Yeah. Or the day before, uh, Flowers. Did he get mauled? Um, by, I, I was reading somewhere, he got mauled by one of our uh, uh, defensive linemen. Uh, B.J. Hill mauled him. Given that they... like two or three yards. Pete, and then, Pete, Pete and hold then on real quick. He, and, given and that then Martin went around them like nothing for a sack. Pete, given that, that they haven't, right? given that they haven't really done full speed work all week and it's been a carded practice, I wouldn't put much or any stock into that. They've literally had... No live sessions today. Mm -hmm. Two live sessions of about six to eight plays each, the two plays days before that, in which mm -hmm. the ones only get a third of those live snaps. So we've seen maybe over the course of the whole week nine to ten to twelve snaps of Eric Flowers that are meaningful, and uh, people are just micromanaging this way too much, Pete. Eric Flowers right. is what he is right now, okay? He's your right mm -hmm. tackle. You, they do not yep. have a better option on the team. He's going to be your starter, okay? And yeah. Unless someone breaks for free and when the waivers come out, which I think is probably not going to happen because tackle depth around the league is so shallow. Nobody lets good right tackles go. He's going to be your right tackle. He's going to get yeah. beat sometimes, and the Giants are going to have to scheme a little bit to maybe give him some help on that side of the field with Red Ellison, whoever else they want to put there, and that's going to be what it's going to be. There's, there's, there isn't going to be some magical fairy that comes through the sky and waves their magic wand and turns Eric Flowers into an all-pro player or finds some – Magical all-pro that's sitting on the free agent block somewhere. It's not going to happen. It is what it is. This is where we are. This is what it's going to be. And guess what? There are a dozen at least other NFL teams that are looking at the same exact problem at one of their tackles. And I would really encourage you to be careful about what you read, where you read it, and who wrote it. Because even Coach Shermer said to us the other day at the presser, he said, you know, I'm hearing a lot that guys are talking about pass plays in practice, and they're saying that so-and-so beat so-and-so in a coverage. And Coach Shermer said, yeah, but you got to understand, we're not playing full out. You know, in some cases, the drill is... It's a passing drill against the defensive back who they're just telling them, be in the vicinity of the ball. They literally he's, instruct, he's not finishing the play. They instruct the DB not to make a play on the ball. Right. Yes. They mm -hmm. just want him to be in the area of the receiver, and he's not to finish and finish off the play because they don't want contact and they don't want anybody getting hurt. So, mm -hmm. you know, for, for you know, I, I will tell you, you will see on occasion on Twitter, I will write if it's a full 11 on 11. 
and they're playing at full speed. With no I, cards. Right, with no cards. I will write so-and-so beat so-and-so on a pass play. If you just see me write on my Twitter that Webb threw a touchdown pass to Ingram right corner and I don't list the defensive back, that's because the defensive players were told not to finish off the play. And it's unfair to finger a guy when they're not instructed to make the play. Perfect example, Pete. Yesterday in practice, there were two passes from Eli Manning. One was in front of Landon Collins. The other one, I think, might have been in front of Janoris Jenkins. Yes. And both balls would have been intercepted, but the defensive backs were told not to make plays on the ball, so the receiver caught them for touchdowns. And that's it's, it's kind of the nature of practice, and if you don't right. really pay attention hard and focus to what's going on. People will miss those little uh, details that really change the story that gets broadcast out there. But it is important, and, and there is a lot of nuance to this stuff. Which is why if somebody said that Flowers was mauled in practice a couple of days ago, that's a laughable comment. Okay, well, that's why I come to you guys. You guys are there. Now, Pete, I mean, now, Pete you know, I'm not – now, look, there could have been a play where Eric Flowers got beat. I'm not saying that that And that's entirely happen. possible. That's very possible. I'm not staring at him every play, so I can't tell you for sure that didn't happen. But that adjective but is very exaggerated. There was nothing this week that looked any different than what I've seen over the course of training camp in the spring. Okay, and I had uh, – you guys had on Troll World on yesterday, which, uh, you know, I – I'm sorry I didn't get through because he's one of my all-time favorite nah, players and a great leader. And I'll tell you what, I'm surprised he never was a coach because if anybody had the qualifications, <laughs> he doesn't want to, to put the coach, time in. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah, Pete, you know, yo, Pete, you know what? And, and, and I've made this little speech before. I'm going to make it again. You're a player, and you make millions of dollars. Okay, he's literally banked twenty, thirty million dollars. If he mm -hmm. wants to go into coaching, he has to take a job that's going to pay him probably a hundred thousand dollars a year. And he's going to have to work, uh, let's see, 16-hour days, six days, like 18-hour yeah. days, six days a week. He's going to have to work about 80 to 100-hour weeks all season for $100,000 a year and basically have no life outside of the office. Why in God's green earth would anybody that has $30 million in the bank want to do something like and that? And by the way. I know I wouldn't, by he, the way. He also has a young little one at home. He does have a young, he does have a young child at home. That's also true. Yeah. Being an assistant okay. coach is a, is a, you know, is a tough, tough job. You talking about, uh, you know, uh, a question came up about Eli Apple, and they were asking him, uh, has he turned his head around? And and what he said was, look, here's what I'll tell you about him. I think he has all the tools. He's got the height. He's got the speed. He's got, you know, he doesn't mind making contact. Um, he does see the turnaround head thing. And what he said about that is the way he used to look at it is that the ball was a million dollars. <laughs> right? He said, so every time I turn around and I make an interception, that's another million dollars to me. Okay? And he said he's going to express that to him when he talks to him. Okay. And I, you know what? That was a great way to look at it. And, you know, from his point of view, I listened to him and I said, you know what? He's thinking smart. You know? All right, guys. Uh, I'll take Thank you. Off the air and thanks a lot. That was Thank a great you, comment Pete. by Antrell. Yeah, that, 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 that is funny. Appreciate I that it, one Pete. yesterday. That's pretty good. Uh, Tell you what, if it's a million dollars, you're going to be looking for it. You're going to find it. Yeah, well, you might want to use some stickum, too, even though they outlawed it. <laughs> the big, big magnets, right? But if you're making a million dollars per pick, you can afford to pay the fine. Yes, and also why you wouldn't have to be an assistant coach after you finish playing. <laughs> exactly. Guys, I, and I know people you know, say, oh, these players should be coaches. Why aren't more ex-players coaches? Being an assistant coach is like the least glamorous job ever. It's a brutal grind. It is a grind, man. And by the way, there ain't no payoff either. It's not like you're the one getting credit if the team wins a bunch of games. No. You're just sitting there behind the scenes doing your thing. 
And then if things go wrong with your group, guess what? People will come after you. But if your group does great, no one knows who you are. They just give the credit to the players and the head coach. People ask me <laughs> all the time because of the love that I have for the game, yeah. did I ever consider pursuing a coaching path years ago? Because I really do love the game. You know that. I'm not trying to be goofy. And my answer was, coaches don't nearly have the lifespan that announcers do. <laughs> it's really very simple. See, you know, I thought it was because of that failed psychological test. Could have been part of it. Line three. <laughs> we go to Doug in Rochester. Hello. Hey, what's going on? How you guys doing? How are you? <laughs> what's up, Doug? Yeah, I'm glad I got you too. Um, uh, Paul, you said something the other day where I just kind of agree with. I'm, I'm talking about Ogletree. Um, a couple of followers, you said um, Ogletree, when um, he covered the tight end for the Browns, got beat for a touchdown, and then the running back read it, ran for 44 yards. You said it just happens. You know, I don't I don't agree with that, what you say it's going to happen, because I looked at Jacksonville. I forgot who they were playing. The kid from Alabama, I think his name's Yielding, whatever his name is. TJ Yeldon. He was, killing, he was killing the team coming out the backfield. We can't have that, him running all over the field and overseas chasing him the first game of the season. Now, sure. there's got to be some other options. There's got to be the safety can come up, the free safety, really, or somebody that can cover that back because Ogletree just ain't fast enough. Well, Doug, so, I'll say this. I no, think, here, go ahead, Paul. I'm sorry. I just want to yeah, respond go, 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 to go, go, go. that. What, what I said was against certain elite tight ends, if they get certain matchups on certain plays, it is going to happen. That's just the way coordinators work. They're looking to isolate what they believe is a favorable matchup. Yeah, and, I wanna, yeah. and every once in a while, they're going to out-scheme you, and they're going to burn your guy. And it is going to happen. There are very few now, unfortunately, Doug, the way it goes. And look, there are exceptions to the rule, like the Sean Lees and the Luke Keekleys and, and you know, uh, even like a, like, like a Telvin Smith, who's you know only 230 pounds right. and can run around like a lunatic, or uh, Shaq Thompson in, in Carolina. Thompson's who's a, a great safety, example. Whatever. Pick, pick your guy. They can cover some of those really fast tight ends and running backs. What offensive coordinators, as Paul said, are trying to do against every team, and we're not just talking Giants here, they're trying to get those one-on-one matchups with linebackers. If you get a middle linebacker against a tight end or a running back, that's an advantage for the offense. Again, unless you're playing against you know, Luke Heakley or Sean Lee or something like that. So that's not something that's unique to the Giants, that what we saw happen to them in the preseason. That's now, all I'm to saying. Be fair yeah, to well, over- I mean, there's not other options like you bet your scheme that a safety or somebody, a slot back. Sure. Can cover on that, s- yeah, on yeah. some plays, that will happen, yeah. but it won't happen every time. No, it won't happen every time. And, and quite frankly, Ogletree is considered a three-down backer who does have some cover skills sure. and mobility. But, you know, is he going to Canton? Is he a Hall of Fame? A linebacker who can cover everybody in the league? No, he's not. I feel better about him, honestly, covering a player like he would have had to when Njoku caught his ball. I, the, the whole thing on the Njoku play wasn't that Njoku just outran him. Ogletree, when he went to coverage, took a terrible angle. He did. Njoku was coming up it. the field. Ogletree came downhill on him, expecting him to go to the outside. So by the time Njoku started running up the field, 
Ogilchi would have had to completely turn around and change direction while Njoku's running in a straight line. So before he even got into position to cover him, it was over, and he had lost. Right. The running well, back play well, is something different. He did different. the same thing against Detroit with the running back. No, see, he? to me, that's, play. that's a different type of play. Totally different play. And I would have more concerns about that type of play in the I agree. future. Because he's isolated. He was theoretically was lined up in the slot. He wasn't even in the backfield, mm -hmm. okay? So he's lined up like a slot corner against a really quick side-to-side -side player. And Joku's more of a straight-line speed guy. Riddick's more of a side-to-side -side quickness guy. And in an isolated scenario in space, it's going to be really hard for Ogletree to stay with a guy like Theo Riddick in a route situation. So, uh, I w I, again, I think Ogletree with the straight-line speed will do okay down the seam in situations like he had against Njoku. He did it poorly in Week 1. No argument. He knows that. Mm -hmm. But... You would like to avoid the type of one-on-one -on -one scenarios against Red. Remember, against Cleveland. Don't you think our offensive coordinators are going to see this and take advantage of it? No, but they, they try to do that against every team. That's the NFL. Right. It's not just yeah, the Giants. Listen, against okay. Cleveland on that play, the Giants called the safety blitz. Correct. Okay, which is why Ogletree was left hanging out to dry. Once he took the bad angle, he had no protection behind him. So he was a dead man. Now, you'd like to believe in a perfect world if that play gets called again and the other team matches the tight end up against Ogletree, either A, he'll get a jam at the line or take a better angle, or the other way that that, that play gets stopped, he has help. the blitz gets home. Or he has help from the safety. <laughs> well, and that won't happen way, if it's a safety blitz, oh, though. That's true. And by the way, if you don't think the Giants are going to try to do that same exact stuff with Saquon Barkley and catch other teams in the exact same scenario, uh, and with Ingram too, it's going to be all day. So okay. that's going to be a preview uh, yeah, of what you're going to yeah, see from the well, Giants. Of course, I know the Giants are going to do with Evan Ingram and Saquon Barkley because they're, those are special players. But you know, average tight end. I, I, I hope Ogletree can cover just an average tight end. I'm not talking about Ingram now. You're talking about somebody put on special, but just uh, a regular tight end. Wait, time out! Time I out! Mean, time out! Doug, time out! David Njoku was considered by many as a better tight end than Evan Ingram coming out of the draft last year. He's a, he's legit. He's fast. He's a yeah, great athlete. Yeah. And Theoretic's one of the best third-down yeah, backs in the he league. He was considered a pick higher draft than Ingram. Yeah, but I think Ingram had you no know, better year than him. But, Doug, Doug here, here's the yeah. thing. Here's the thing, okay? There are no more Pittsburgh Steelers steel curtain defenses in the NFL that have yeah. superstar Hall of Famers at every position and have no thin spots, no weaknesses, and no areas that you can attack. That's not the way today's game is. Everybody has soft spots, bruises on the apple, if you will. And offensive yeah. coordinators are paid to study those bruises and attack them. And, Doug, I think it's pretty telling when the Giants gave Ray Ray Armstrong a chance to be the second nickel linebacker this week. It wasn't, yeah, Alec, yeah. It wasn't Alec Ogletree they right. took off the field. It was B.J. Goodson. So I think that tells you what the coaches, they think Ogletree has it in him to do a better job in coverage, and I think he believes that too. We'll see if it's right. Doug, we got to run. Yeah. I'm sorry. We'll get you another time. Okay, well, one more question. Go ahead. Let you go. Um, w, um, I won't be able to see the game. I, 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 last week, I tried to go to uh, WCBS 880 New York. I heard your guys' pregame show on a different radio station, and I couldn't get it. Is that because it was in Detroit? Yes. Uh, no, 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 no. If, if you're in the New York area, the game would have been heard on 880 AM, and the whole game would have been heard on 880 AM on the radio. Okay, so if I'm up in Rochester, that's the reason why I couldn't get it on the radio? If you're where? 
If I, if I'm up in Rochester, that's the reason why I couldn't get the game on the, the radio. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it would be in the local metropolitan area. It'll be on um, WCBS up in Rochester. Do I have a radio affiliate in Rochester? I'm actually the guy that should know this. John the top coordinates of my head. the affiliates um, on the radio Doug, network. Do, do me a favor, Doug. Are um are you on Twitter? Um yeah, I got the I got the um Twitter the giant Twitter. Yeah. Do me a favor. App, yeah. Do me a favor. Send me a tweet, and I will get back to you on where our games are on the radio in that area, and I'll try to help you out. All right. By, by the way, Doug. Yeah, because I'm thinking if it's in Buffalo, I, I'm, I might not be. I might be get in Buffalo. I don't know. Now, Doug, okay, if you I, can't, you, hold on. That's that's And and by the way, you can also stream the game online. So if you want to listen to the game online. You can li you can listen. I believe it'll be on either wfn.com or wcbs880.com. So you can go to one of those two streams and you can listen to it that way too. Now, Doug, I also well, want you. Uh, what I did was I went to a radio station and they had all the stations all over America, and I picked the New York City WCBS. So this goes to WCBS 880 directly, right? right? Yeah, that's okay. better. But uh, all but also, okay. Doug, if you want to see the game. And you can't get it on what will be locally channel two WCBS here in New York. Right. You can wait and see it on tape delay. NFL yeah. Network will show the game on tape delay on Sunday, August twenty sixth. That's a couple of days after it's played, and it's going to be on. It's going to be on NFL Network ten a.m. on Sunday morning on tape delay. Paul You'll get to see the telecast. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. I know I can see it, but I want—I I, I want to see if I can listen to it on the radio while. All right, Doug. Thank you. Be well, Doug. Appreciate it. All right, John. I'll tweet you and see what you have to say. Okay. Perfect. Thanks a lot. Thanks, man. Uh, you guys, thanks a lot. Take it easy. Thank you. Too. Unfortunately, <laughs> by the way, I should point out Rochester is technically in the Bills market. That's why we do not have a television affiliate in Rochester. Well, that's because why I... we cannot air our preseason games in another team's NFL market, and Rochester is technically the Bills' home market. So that's why you won't see our games have an affiliate there on TV. Again, this is inside TV and radio stuff, and the same thing for radio, which is why I don't think we actually we have a station in Syracuse. We do not have a station in. I Rochester thought there was years ago, but not le lately. We have one in Watertown. We don't have one in, yeah. in Rochester. So I think you might be out of luck, but I will do my best to find something for you, Doug. Folks, we remind you the Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win amazing Giants prizes throughout the season. With Great that, to have Coors Light on board as a sponsor. Very cool. With that, we go to line one. Scott is in New Mexico. Hello. Hey, Scott. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Good. Great. Uh, question for you. Uh, each day I watch a different backup wide receiver make plays in practice. Yes. And right, n right now on the roster they have Ed Tao, I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, Russell Shepard, Khalif Raymond, Hunter Sharp, Cody Latimer, Jameel Davis, Roger Lewis. I, I don't know if Marcus Bundy is still on the he team. He is, yep. Uh, uh, Travis Rudolph, too, as well. Yep, yep. Uh, how can the Giants, I mean, first of all, first question is, how many wide receivers do you think the Giants will have? And I know uh, you both talked about Cody Latimer having the leg up on most of the other guys. But watching the games, he hasn't been as impressive. So I was just curious if he still has the leg up and who you think might be a second or third wide receivers if the Giants say are going to 
keep five, considering the obviously the two starters. I'll speak for both of us. I think both of us do think he still has a leg up to be on the roster for sure. Yes. Um, we actually, it's funny, they actually haven't really used him on special teams much because they know what he can do. So they're trying to give these other guys a chance to show what they can do on special teams. So I would expect we'll see him as a gunner on punt return at least okay. once on Friday night. Uh, in terms of the other guys, look, I don't have an answer for you. I think a lot of it's going to depend on what they do in these preseason games and on this Friday and next Thursday, and that's going to decide it probably, right, Paul? I would say this. I think he's got a nose edge on the rest of them. That would be Russell Shepard. He's a veteran. He's shown good hands, runs pretty good routes. Uh, he's done nothing to lose the job. In other words, you saw Hunter Sharp last week muff a kick and fumble away a return. Uh, Russell Shepard has not shown any issues with ball security. He also plays on special teams. What has he done on special? We have seen, seen him, him on coverage. A, I haven't seen him as a gunner on punts, though, right? We, we've, well, we've seen him inside. Right. And he's also been on the front line on the returns. Okay. Uh, and I think that bodes well for him. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, remember, there is a connection with Carolina mm-hmm. with Dave Gettleman. So I'm going to say right now, unless Russell Shepard has, has some faux pas over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to say right now he's nosed ahead of everybody else for the number four spot. Can I disagree with okay. you for a second? Sure. I would say my nose-up guy is Roger Lewis, and the reason that's the case is he's actually done a very good job as a gunner in these preseason games. He has. And if you can be a good gunner as well as be a fourth wide receiver, I think that's a pretty good way to get on the roster. Now, he doesn't help you in the return game. I get that. But if he helps you as a gunner and he can be a receiver, he's been here, he's familiar with Eli. Um, I think after a year last year where he kind of didn't do that well on special teams, I think he's kind of re-embraced that role a little bit this year. So in my opinion, I think Lewis has the nose up to be the fourth guy. And if, if Let me put it this way. Well, if, they it, could it, keep them both and be four and five. They yeah, could. Absolutely. And Hunter Sharp. I think they want him on the team because of his versatility on special teams. He can return kicks. He can return punts. He can be a gunner. He can do all those things. But if he drops one more ball, whether it's as a receiver (laughs) or on special teams, and I love him. He's the nicest guy in the world. I really want him to make it. He's a good dude. But he's got to keep his hands on the football. Uh, as for th- as for the number of receivers, I'm beginning to think more and more it's not going to be six. I think it's five. It's going to be five. I'm with Paul. Okay. I think they're going to need to steal that potential sixth spot for another position. Well, I think the good thing, too, is that if all these young guys, like if they want to try to get Jewel Davis onto the practice squad, they'll be able to do that. That's not going to be You wouldn't think so. I th- unless he has a monster game against the, the Patriots next week or something like, like that. Like Victor Cruz did against the Jets seven years ago. Where's number 80? <laughs> That's why I brought it up. Right now, now with uh, when do the actual uh, roster cuts start? Is the it first. after this game? Because oh, no. I know by September first you have to get down to all the cuts come September first. Well, look, they can start cutting whenever they, cut they earlier. want. They, they can cut, cut whenever they want, but the deadline is the Saturday afternoon after the Patriot game, four o'clock on the first, okay. and all all the way down to fifty three. Okay. And my last uh, point is uh looks like the offensive line is set the way it is right now. Uh, would both of you guys concur that's actually the way it's going to format right now for the season? Pat Shermer said the other day that it's not set in stone. I'm not sure if he meant the starters or if he meant the depth chart in general. He wasn't he meant clear both. about that. He might have. I, I, let me put it this way. I think... The left side of the line is in stone. Mm-hmm. You're going to have Soldier okay. left tackle. You're going to have Will Hernandez at left guard. We know that. <sighs> I know you've been saying all summer you think Brett Jones is going to step in there and eventually I still the think job. he's got a chance to but do it. But do you think he will? 
He's got two games to do it. Yeah, I'm going to bet on him. Okay. I think Jalapio's in pretty good shape at center. We'll, we'll disagree on that, and that's fine. Patrick Omame, I thought, started camp well. I think he's had some shaky moments in games and in a couple in practice, too. I think he's smart. I don't know if it's an issue. Him and Flowers have communicated poorly on some stunts and twists and things like that. Um, I, I mean, they could give Greco or John Jerry a chance there, but I would be surprised if the starting five we've seen the last two weeks aren't the starting five week one against Jackson. There's one other option here. What do you got? If they really like what Jalapio has done, and they really like Ooh. Brett Jones, and it's a tough call, they right could guard. move Jalapio to right guard if they like him better than Omame. They and could. Jones and Jalapio might both be starting. That's not out of the question. That's interesting. I was just curious about one point in regards to that. I don't know if he, if he has the ability or not, but can Jalapio play tackle also, no. or is just guard and center? Just guard and center. Interior lineman. And that's the trick, and I think, Scott... If Giant fans want to look around the league and watch non-Giants preseason games, keep an eye on the, the backup tackles for other NFL teams because that's what the Giants will okay. be looking at when the waiver wire hits at the end of you September. You would think so. end of August. Okay, appreciate it, guys. Thanks again. Thank, Thank you. you. Appreciate it. All right, let's go back to uh, Twitter. We, got some we, tweets we have a couple of lines open. We're going to go a few minutes more uh, since we, we started late today. Mm -hmm. Let's see if we can come up with uh, Giants chat. I got go. hit latest. Yeah, you know, Mr. I'm doing this whole Twitter thing. Oh, yeah, right? Mr. Technology. James Jones uh, gets back. Oh, no. That's, I, I read that one already. He already said that. Yeah. So we don't have any more tweets. <laughs> All right, that's fine. All right, well, how about this? I can what? tell people about this again. Yes, go ahead. Uh, we like to remind you that Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to an amazing Giants prizes throughout the season. Anything go ahead, John. Anything else jump out at you from media today? Uh, not necessarily from media, but um, I will say I've thought all along that Aldrich Rosas was, was in good position for the kicking spot. Today, when they ran a quick hustle kicking unit onto the field in the fire drill, he missed wide right, and I, I was disappointed in that because I think he's had a good camp. Did you see how far that was? Was it about 40, 45? I did not see how far it was. I couldn't see from where we were standing or what, what our media uh, usually those, area was. Usually those Mayday drills, they'll kick it anywhere between 35 and 45 yards. Yeah, so I think it might have been about 45, and he just pushed it to the right, and I was disappointed in that because I really think for the most part he has been very solid. I think he's outkicked Cohn. I agree. Well, Cohn hit the upright on a point after the other day. didn't help himself, you know. Did not help himself at all. Um, 201-939-4513. Oh, we have a tweet from NY Sports Fan. Says, just heard you guys mention on BBKL about how they're subbing Armstrong for Goodson on third down and keeping Ogletree on the field. I know this means they think that Ogletree can do better, but I'm wondering how good is Armstrong in coverage? Can he handle that spot? He's, an great at he's, a, he's a good athlete. I don't want to throw the word great around haphazardly. Right. He's a good athlete. He's long. He can run. So I think they're optimistic he can handle it, but there's more to being a cover linebacker than just being a good athlete. It's things like taking angles, being aware, and things like that. I'm looking forward to seeing Ray Armstrong do that in a game, especially against a team like the Jets, where if you've watched any of their games this year, and I have because I wanted to watch Darnold play, they do a lot of short stuff in the middle of the field, which puts pressure on the inside linebacker. So yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing that. It is a bit disturbing that 
in a half a dozen years in the NFL, he's never actually carved out a heavy rotation outside of one season yep. in terms of playing time. That, that's that got to concern you somewhat. Um, go back to the phones in a second, but Adam Costa says, what is up with Connor Barwin? Is he going to make the team? I know Carl Banks says you can't make the club in the tub. Barwin was back out there today. But again, this was a very, very tame workout session. And he seemed to indicate in Detroit that he's not really dealing with an injury. It's kind of like a general soreness type thing. I think it's pacing the veteran through August. And that veteran was not here in the spring. So he kinda jumped in feet first and into the you know, high level, high intense training camp stuff. So I think they're just being careful with him. He's a veteran. He knows what he's doing. When they need him on the field, remember, he's not going to be a guy that's going to play, you know, 60 defensive snaps a game either. So you need him for 20 to 30 snaps, and he'll be mm-hmm. fine. We go to line one, and Dre from Rochester, you're next on the program. Hey, Dre, do me a favor. Do you have a station or a way, TV or radio in Rochester to watch these preseason games for my man Doug out there? No. No, we don't. <laughs> okay, sorry. I was hoping you had something for me. <laughs> Say la vie. There's no way. Yeah, you guys live in Bill's territory. There's nothing I could do. I try. The NFL <laughs> stops me. It's all my fault. You know, every time, every time the folks up there try to tune it in, they're wide right. Especially during the regular season. I was listening to the Bleacher Report. You know, Chris Sims show. Oh boy. And they, um, and they said on 26 or 36 run plays, the Giants' defense has only allowed 19 yards. And I was just wondering, do you think that would translate to the regular season? And I'll let you guys go. Thank Thanks, you, guys. Take I call. am very optimistic yes. about the Giants' rush defense this year. You're putting out there Agreed. three guys that are capable of playing nose tackle on your defensive line with Snacks and B.J. Hill and Dalvin Tomlinson that all played that one technique or um, at, at points during their college career. And obviously Snacks is one of the premier run defenders in all of football. So – I'm optimistic about the run defense. I think Ogletree's strength is going downhill. He's a big guy. I think BJ's Goodson's strength is going downhill. He's a big guy. Mm-hmm. Vernon's always been a good edge setter. And I think Cree Martin's a better run stopper than he's a pass rusher too. So I am very optimistic about the Giants' rush defense. Will they be the best team in the league? I don't know. But I I think they will be very reliable against the run. You're not going to see a lot of these games like last year where teams are running for 200 yards on this group. I totally concur with that evaluation. And by the way, they run a lot of single high safety, which means that second safety is often in the box. So you're going to see eight guys in the box a lot for this giant defense too, which also helps. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Dana, Mr. Beardo, on Twitter. I have not seen Mr. Beardo. He's a uh, an interesting character. It seems like one of your relatives. <laughs> he looks like a, uh, a a giant version of ZZ Top, yeah, for lack of a better – for lack of a better phrase. Anyway, uh, he wants to know about uh, how much the starters are going to be seen in the game against the Jets, uh, thinking they may get a half. And I think Shermer was very particular about answering this question yesterday when he said some guys do need some more work, but there are other veterans who may not. So I really think it's going to take it on a case-by-case basis. I don't think he's going to take it by a unit basis. Yes, um, I think Eli will probably stick with the first-team offensive line. As long as Safe Eli, bet. Eli's in, the first-team offensive line will be in now. Would it shock me to see Davis Webb behind the first-team offensive line a little bit? No, it wouldn't. No. If you or the receivers. Maybe, or if, yeah, that too. Maybe you want to give Webb the, you know, the, the second part of the second quarter and play Eli play a quarter and a half or something like that. Maybe try to get Webb a two-minute drill situation at the end of the first half, which mm-hmm. is always good for young quarterbacks to experience. I could see that. Um, but, yeah, I agree. I think it is a case-by-case basis, though I do think units will come on and off together. Like I don't think you'll see, you know – 
half the starting secondary leave and half the backup secondary come in because I think you want to stick those units together because those are the groups that have chemistry with each other. That makes a lot of sense to me, although I would say this, guys like uh, on defense, Olivier Vernon, Landon Collins, they did come out before some of the other starters did the other day, and I think the same thing will happen against the Jets. I agree. You know. Yeah, no, you know what? I think that's a good point. So maybe I take back my previous point. That's a good point. No, I think you're right. Do we need to uh, pop these folks again one more time? Can't hurt. Folks, uh, that'll do it for today's show. We want to remind you that Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win amazing Giants prizes throughout the season. We are here for the rest of the week from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern time. Next week as well, I believe, John, Monday to Friday. And we will take your phone calls, as always, at 201-939-4513. And by the way, should I announce our regular season schedule? We could start promoting that. 1.30, folks. I know you're probably not going to be thrilled with it. Uh, we're not particularly thrilled with it either, but um, two days a week, the Giants have media availabilities and practice between 11 and 12.30. The other two days, it's between 12.30 and 1.30. So um, unless we're changing the time of the show every day, which we're not going to do because I think it inconveniences all of you fans out there uh, who want to find us at the same time every week, uh, the only time that works, unless we're getting up at, and doing it at 10, 10 a.m., which we don't think is a great idea, we'll be with you every day at 1.30 to 2.30. During the regular season, the good news is that's going to take place after media availabilities. It'll take place after the first portion of practice. So we're going to have all the injury news for you. Yep. We're going to have everything that's said in the locker room for you. Yep. And we'll have a fully updated show when we go every day from 1.30 to 2.30. And, of course, the show will be posted up on iTunes and whatever favorite podcast you might have. Again, that is for the regular season. Yes. This week and next week, we are still 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern time. And we should have the same crew. I expect to have David Deal back once a week, Cross once a week. Russ will be back as well. And then Paul, Lance, and I, and, of course, Jeff Fiegels. We'll be here as well, so we'll split them all up. Always invite you folks to join us. We oh. enjoy interacting with you. The show's all about you guys. You know that. We can't do it without you. That'll do it for this edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. For John, I'm Paul. See you next time.